Hallelujah. I wanted to read you uh, the scripture out of Revelation. You know, there's only two times in the Bible where Jesus stands up, really, only two. You know, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But there's two times when he stands up. One is with the stoning of Stephen. You remember when uh, Stephen was stoned to death in Acts chapter, I believe it is, 7. And uh, the Bible says that he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. It's almost like when Jesus stands up, you can mark it down. Everything's all right. It doesn't matter what is happening. If you see Jesus standing up, you can just mark it down. He's in position to express his authority. And he was receiving Stephen, as, you know, and Jesus. I love, I, whenever I read that account, I always think about the last words of some leaders that we've heard in recent days and how some of them will curse people, you know, death to the infidels, different things. But the last words of Stephen and the last words of our Lord Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but that's the one I'm going to follow. Last words say a whole lot about what, who, what really is pulling the strings here. You know what I mean? And so anyway, there's one other place. It's, it's a notable. It's in the book of Revelations. And I'm just going to read these scriptures to you. Uh, John, I, I let, you know, he's the only disciple that didn't get uh, martyred for his faith. It wasn't because they didn't try. He was boiled in oil, but they couldn't kill him. And he was, so he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And out there, while he was out on this island, he had a, a vision. Uh, and he had this vision. It says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day in verse 10 of Revelation chapter 1. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. And it was saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I, now, I, I know there's a lot of things in the book of Revelation. I'm not an end-time preacher. That's why I always say we don't know what time to quit. But, but I think it's very important to understand that these words that literally are revealing the end-time move of God were written to seven churches. And you say, well, that's just a, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's a universal, really. No, actually, they were seven churches. Seven local churches, yeah. groups of believers who yeah. had come together, different, each one of them had a, had different mandate from heaven. And yet as Jesus spoke to each one of them, no matter what their difficulties were, he was calling them, you know, the overcomers. He called them all overcomers That's right. and he saw them. And I want you to understand he spoke to them collectively now, you hear from God individually, but the best way to hear from God individually is to hear what he is saying collectively. Because when you hear what he is saying collectively, then it actually makes what he's saying to you individually, it gives it its proper perspective. And so each one of these churches, although the words that were spoken here go far beyond just their local assembly, their local assembly brought uh, the, 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 was the, the foundation for a release of a revelation that went far beyond them. And every church 
has a mandate from heaven that goes beyond, you know, all of the little uh, little details that they were working out, different things that had to be worked out. You know, they were people. They were people. But they weren't just people. They were the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus talked to them, he talked to them as a body. And he told John to do what he saw to write in a book and send it to the seven churches. And then it says he turned to see the voice that spoke with him. And having turned, now look this, it said, I saw seven golden lampstands. Golden lampstands, gold, the most precious, valuable metal, which signifies the presence of God in the Bible. That's the reason Old Testament instruments in the temple were made of pure gold. It's always connected with things that are heavenly or divine. And I want you to see, he said, I saw seven golden lampstands. Look, skip over just for a moment here, and you're going to see what the lampstands were. Verse 20 says, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, he tells them. He says, this is, I'm going to show you what they were, what they are. He said, The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So I want you to see, he says, the seven churches are the seven golden lampstands that he saw. It says, uh, the seven golden lampstands. He saw the church as a golden lampstand. In other words, the church is where you, the lampstand, the church is where the presence of heaven is felt on this earth in a way that cannot be experienced in an individual anointing i want you to see this is what john saw he saw a place that god had prepared on this earth called the church that brought what did he say in matthew 16 he said and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church and then he said and i'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth will be bound in uh, it's bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven and then he said and i'll give you the keys to the kingdom of god and he said uh uh yeah, yeah all right, I told you that, but he said, but the point is that the church had what was in heaven, it could bring it to the earth. Yeah. Do you understand? What, you know, what, whatever, uh, yeah, I like the way the message Bible says it. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no. In other words, you get your authority from heaven. Right. And you can bring, you can ha- reveal what's in heaven on this earth. I always tell people, I mean, I, my life changed when I found out I not only had a home in heaven, but heaven had a home in me. And so he went on and he says, uh, I, saw, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now look at verse 13. Because sometimes people just don't quite get. They wonder what Jesus is doing today. And I've actually heard people say things like, well, He's, I'll tell you what, he's not in the church anymore. And they mean the, you know, because they see the difficulties and the problems that the people have in church and they view them only according to their natural, uh, you know, eyes and they judge according to the natural. They don't understand why, what John saw in the spirit. I can tell you, this is eternal. This is what really is going on in the church. And the Bible says, I just, when people say, well, Jesus is not in church, I just think, well, you just hadn't read your Bible. 
Because the Bible says in verse 13, And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about his chest with a golden band. I like how one translation says, the NIV says, Standing in the middle of the lampstands was the Son of Man. What was he? Standing in the middle. I tell you what, I don't care what kind of activities going on. Jesus is standing in the midst of the church. And the Bible says, you say, how's he standing? You ought to take a look. You wonder why sometimes people, the spirit, the things of the spirit start getting real to them. You wonder exactly how, why they act the way they act. When it says standing in the middle, I like in the Greek, it says right in the very middle. Not standing on the outside as a distant observer, but standing in the very midst. You say, well, what does he look like in the midst of the church? Read the rest of the story, Paul Harvey. His head, his head, his garment down to his feet, gird about his chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Wool, that spotless purity, that's white as snow, that emblem of eternity, the wool. And he said, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, piercing through everything, Literally, a token. I like how one Bible uh, dictionary says, a token of his omniscience. Um, how do you say it, Ray? Omniscience. omniscience. In other words, he's God all by himself. And he's in the middle of the church. You, wonder, you just get a different idea about coming to church when you get a revelation of what John saw. It says, his feet were bright as bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. I like that. His feet like fine brass. They'd walk through the trials and limitations of this earth like burning with the fire of God. Feet like fine brass and his voice thundered like mighty waters. I like this one. To the comfort of his friends, to the terror of his enemies, roaring aloud, bearing down all before them. No one would dare talk back to someone with such a voice. Now this is, this is who Jesus, the Lord, the head of the church, who is right in the middle of God's plan of redemption and power, God's plan of bringing redeeming power to this earth, the church. He goes on and he says, look at this now. He goes on and he says, and his, he says his, his feet like fine brass as if they had burned in a furnace and his voice uh, as many waters. In verse 16 it says, he held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was as bright as the sun in all its brilliance. He had seven stars in his right hand. Listen, every I love reading the Bible commentary. This word for stars that, that many people, will that you'll sometimes see translated as angels, is really the word for messenger. And the word angel refers to the human leader of each local church. You can look at Luke 9, 52, James 2, 25, where the word angels is translated messenger. It's used of human beings. And because they're in the right hand of Christ, it shows that they are under his special care and most powerful protection. 
He's got seven stars in his right hand and he's standing in the midst of the lampstands. He's holding the pastor, the leader, the messenger, literally is the pastoral uh, 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 position that he is recognizing. And the messengers, or oh, that word messengers literally is the pastor of the church that he is holding in his right hand, standing in the middle of the church. Ooh, glory to God. And out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun that shineth in its strength. And he says, I love how it says it. He says, these words, uh, the Amplified Bible says, to the angel or messenger of the assembly, the church in Ephesus, right? These are the words of him who holds, a se- this is Revelation 2.1, who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven churches in his right hand who goes about among the seven golden lampstands which are the seven churches he stands and walks around in the midst of us full of the glory of God with power and special care Woo! glory to God and when I saw him verse 17 I just read verse uh, 2 1 just to kind of throw it in there when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead but he laid his right hand on me and said don't be afraid I am the first. Did you know he got this revelation on the floor? You might be surprised what happens when you're out in the spirit. He fell at his feet as dead and he said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. The very same one they had seen on the cross in his sufferings. He now has says, behold, take another look. I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. I have conquered death and I have endless life. And I love the, I want you to get this now because the position of the church this hour is very, very important. We are not here just as a group of, you know, you know, friends and relatives we all like hanging out together. Yeah, yeah. We are here yes. as the instruments yes. of God's sovereign plan yes. to preserve and resist the works of darkness in oh, our generation. Yeah. Oh, Turn yeah. with me, if you would, real quickly over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Oh, glory to there God. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Oh, it's good. I'm, I see what I like. This this is a quote from George Washington giving general orders on August twenty third, seventeen seventy six. The Declaration of Independence had been signed on July fourth, read publicly first on July ninth, uh, August second. Uh, a, a large British reinforcement had had come to New York after they'd been repelled in Charleston, South Carolina, and so now here we are. It's just a, a few uh, days few days, about three weeks later, they know that there are some people who have arrived at their shores to try to challenge the freedom that they had just declared, the Declaration of Independence that was signed on July 4th, 1776. Now it's August 23rd, and George Washington stands up and says, the hour is fast approaching on which the honor and success of this army and the safety of our bleeding country depend. Remember, officers and soldiers, you are free men fighting for the blessings of liberty, that slavery will be your portion and that of your posterity if you do not acquit yourselves like men. I know that's a little old English, but what he was saying is we have already, we have a legal document that has declared us free. 
But he said, now the hour has come that we're going to have to fight. And we're going to have to act like we believe in what we have already done on a legal document. I'm telling you, your freedom and your liberty is a legal, legal, uh, 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 eternal reality. But there is uh, an enemy in this world why, why Jesus told, why he told the church to hold fast what you have. Because he does want to take it away from you. But when you read stuff like this, remember the document that's been signed in the blood of Jesus. He said, it's the hour has come for us to act like who we are. He says, acquit yourself like men. Act like who you are. You are free men. You have been legally set free. You are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is standing in the midst of the church. His eyes flames of fire. His hair white as snow. His feet like fine brass. And I mean his voice that thunders that no one could dare challenge. But we got to act like who we are. Because the challenges of our generation call for what Jesus redeemed us to do. Read this in 2 Thessalonians. With, uh, just listen to this as I read it. And, uh, and you can read it with me. It says this. It says, uh, verse, uh, uh, you know, the first three ch- verses say, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you to not be soon shaken in mind or troubled by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had already come. So now you know he's talking to them about the day of Christ, the coming of the Lord. He's talking to them about the wrath of the church but he talks to them and he tells them something he says don't let anyone deceive you by any means that that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition I've done a little studying on this verse recently because I've heard a lot of things uh, and I've read a lot of things about it the word where he says unless the falling away comes first how does it read it I'm going to make sure in my new King James I'm curious how they say that it says uh, that day will not come unless the falling away comes first I want you to notice that the falling away doesn't say a falling away. It says the falling away. That is an article that 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 uh, is is pointing to a specific uh, a, a particular event, and he calls it the falling away. Really, a better word. I know it is the Greek word, and I'm just know a little Greek, and he has a restaurant outside of Tulsa. But this word. A-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-A, apostasia, it's where we get our word apostasy from. And sometimes when you hear that word, it can make you think of, uh, you know, many uh, in a negative sense. And the Bible actually uses it in a negative sense. But it's very interesting because here when he says there a falling away will occur that day, that day, what day? The day when the Antichrist will be revealed. He said that day cannot come until a falling away occurs first. This word, listen to this in the, the Amplified Bible. The, uh, uh, it says, the note on this word depart in the Amplified Bible says, a possible rendering of this Greek word apostasia is a departure of the church. Now, I think that's very interesting. Because he's literally saying this day, the day of the, uh, the revealing of the Antichrist cannot come until the church departs. Now, some people think that means the church is going to depart from God. But actually, I think the world is going to depart from God. I think the closer we get to the coming of the, uh, the catching away of the saints, I believe the Bible says that we will have our best days toward
toward the end of this trail, not toward the beginning. Honey, we just got started. We hadn't, you know, we didn't maybe, I always tell people, we didn't ask for the fight, but we're showing up for it. Miracle signs and wonders are here uh, in in greater. Everything I read in the word shows me it's going to be on the increase, not the decrease. And so he says that that, that the, the Antichrist cannot come until we leave. Now listen, really, the rapture of the church, there is no uh, a sign in the Bible for the rapture of the church. The sign really is for when we leave, that's the sign that there is, we're going back to, that the, 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 the day of the Lord is coming at a certain time. We, the church, are a sign that the day, the, the, you know, the second advent of the Lord, he comes back after the tribulation. That's the sign. Honey, time has changed. We've come off of the space of grace of the church church we've headed back into jewish time and it's listen i got news for you there's a reason that antichrist can't be revealed today and it's because of the church you say well i think it's the holy spirit that's holding him back now i like listen i mean i'm not i mean the holy spirit's obviously involved he's working in the church working in you but you know people are going to get saved during the tribulation the holy spirit's not going to leave but you are you're going to leave. And look what he says here. He says, he says, uh, uh, the Geneva Bible says it like this. Great, great translation. It says, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a departing first. And that man of sin be disclosed, even the son of perdition. Listen to this. He says, I love this. Isn't that good? Listen to this. He literally says in verse 6. Now, just skip down to verse 6. Not reading verse 4 and 5 won't have any, won't change the meaning at all. He just goes on to verse 6 just for time's sake. And he says, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Uh, it is so that he may be manifested in his own appointed time for the mystery of lawlessness, the hidden principle of rebellion, that's the Amplified, is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. Listen. Listen to me. It is the position of the church to shine the light of the glory of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to not just restrain but to prevent the appearing of the Antichrist. And actually, if you read the Word of God... Now listen, I think it's very important today that we don't miss uh, what we're here to do. Because, you know, uh, where is it? In 1 John, uh, where it says... uh, uh, I'm just going to read this one thing and then I'm going to move to the other thing here. Uh, It says uh, in 1 John, it says uh, in verse 18, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. You know what he's saying? He's saying the Antichrist is coming, the Antichrist. But there are many Antichrists that have already showed up. You understand? Jesus is coming. You could say it in the other side. Jesus is coming, but there are many Christians who are living today. And we see, so, you know, there are many people who have been, who are, who are coming to light, who are antichrists. You know, they have that spirit. 
and they promote an order that is antichrist. But he says, we know it's the last hour. If John knew it was the last hour, guess what we should know? It's the last seconds. I'd say we're getting close. But he said there is a power that is restraining until now. I'm going to read you this, this uh, paraphrase of Rick. You know Rick Renner? He's a Hebrew Greek scholar, good friend. He sent me a paraphrase of Second Thessalonians a few years ago. And as I was reading through some things, he just is, he's just very he's good. A paraphrase, he sent me a section of a paraphrase that he's working on. And, and he just has a way, he knows Hebrew and Greek better than anybody, I think better than anybody I've, I've ever met and many scholars that I know have ever met. He's just a, a tremendous uh, 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 scholar. And so this is, listen to this now. This is how he wrote Second Thessalonians. I'm telling you, it's good. It says, bro, this is like, you know, the first time you ever saw a color TV. <laughs> Brothers, I make an urgent, heartfelt request to you today, earnestly, sincerely pleading with you from the bottom of my heart to hear what I'm telling you and do as exactly as I say. The appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ is very near. In fact, it is so close we can nearly feel his presence as if he were already here among us. The moment we have all longed and waited for is almost upon us. I'm talking about that moment when he will finally collect us and gather us together for himself. Woo, that's where we get the word rapture, the gathering together. It's, it's literally, uh, it's used in the assembly of ourselves together, but he's literally gathering us together for himself. There will be some things happening right before his coming that could shake you up quite a bit. I'm referring to events that are so dramatic that they could really leave your head spinning. These are of such a serious nature that many people will end up feeling alarmed, panicked, intimidated, really unnerved. The kind of things I'm describing are very disturbing. Naturally speaking, these events could nearly drive you over the brink emotionally, really putting your nerves on edge, making you feel to feel apprehensive, stressed out insecure about life just watch Glenn Beck okay anyway I wish I could tell you I'm joking I wish I could tell you these incidents were going to be a one shot deal but when they finally get rolling they're going to keep coming and coming one after another that's why you've got to determine not to be shaken or moved by anything that you see or hear You've got to get a grip on your minds. Refuse to allow yourselves to be traumatized or too taken aback by these events. Believe me, if you let these things get to you, it won't be too long till you're a nervous wreck. That's why you've got to decide beforehand you're not going to give in and allow fright to worm its way into your mind and emotions and end up running your whole life. Verse 3, in light of this, I strongly urge you to refuse to allow anyone to take advantage of you. For example, you won't need a letter to tell you when the day of the Lord has come. Come on, it's time to use your head. You ought to know by now that day won't come until first a worldwide insurgency, rebellion, right, and mutiny against God has come about in society. 
Once that happens, the world will be primed, prepared, ready to embrace the man of lawlessness. And he said, he goes on then and he says, uh, uh, um, uh, do you understand what I'm talking about? And then he goes on in verse 6, skip on down. Verse, uh, I'll skip verse 4 and 5, go to verse 6. In light of everything I've told you before, you ought to be well aware by now that there is a supernatural force at work preventing the materialization of this person and the disclosure of his identity. This restraining force I'm referring to is so strong that it is currently putting on the brakes, holding back the unveiling of this wicked person. You might say this power is stalling, postponing his manifestation. Oh, but when the right moment comes, the evil one will emerge on the world scene. The curtain that's been hiding his true identity will be pulled back. The screen that's been guarding him from worldview will evaporate. And he'll step out on center stage to let everyone know who he is. These events have been secretly in the making for a long time. The world doesn't realize that a secret plan is being executed right under their noses. The only reason this plan hasn't been consummated is because of the restraining force that is holding it all back. Hallelujah. Listen to me, church. This is our finest hour. This is not the time to give it just, you know, a little bit. This is the time to quit yourselves, quit yourselves like men. Act like the free men that you are. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. The church is the divine instrument of his power in this hour. And he stands in the midst of the church, full of glory from heaven, full of greatness that comes from the power of his death, burial, and resurrection. His eyes flames of fire. His hair white as snow. His feet like fine brass. His voice that thunders in the desert. That is our power. That is our position given to us because of the Almighty One. You want to mark it. You really, I like, you know, I heard someone say, really the person who wants the rapture to come more than anybody else is the Antichrist. Because he wants, he wants his position. He wants it, but he can't have it because we're not giving it to him. So listen, he said, so you don't have any reason to be afraid. He said, you don't have it. Listen, we have no reason to fear. Do you know all night last night, I dreamed. I dreamed all kinds of dreams, all kinds of ways where I was taking authority over the devil and things that looked so good, but I saw it was him. I recognized that evil plan, and I just went right. Now, there's something about me in my dreams. I get real bold with the devil. I don't know why. I, I guess, and I got right in his face, and he got so ugly, and he got so big looking and I said I said go in Jesus name somebody around me said you sure you can talk to him like that I said I'm not sure I know how to talk to him I like what who is it saw that put a big red X on him he X him out you say what makes you act that way I'll tell you exactly what makes me act that way I got some information I 
know what the Word of God said. I'm not standing my ground. I'm on my ground. I'm standing on the ground that has been purchased for me by the blood of Jesus. I'm not sitting back trying to, you know, I don't know, this is not some kind of, you know, oh, I got some, some real strong willpower. It's not my willpower. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. That's why I don't really care what kind of trouble you've seen. I want to know, have you seen the resurrected Lord in the midst of the church? Have you seen with eyes of the Spirit the power, the fire, the blazing glory that is ours? I don't really care if there's 20 or 20,000. It's the same truth. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hear, I hear, I hear the voice. That voice that causes hell to tremble and causes saints to look up. Oh, thank you, Father, for the glory and presence of God in the church this hour, alive with the very life that raised Christ from the dead. Woo! By the way, I like having dreams like that where I just speak, tell the devil to get out of town. We are alive, filled with his glorious life. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.